Hey, uh, we've been tackling together a topic uh, called Christian Atheist. And the interesting thing is, is that uh, this has bothered some of us. Some, some have said, look, those, those two words don't even belong next to each other. I mean, how could you be a Christian and be an atheist? I mean, that, that would be like impossible. It's just a dumb title for a sermon series. And uh, you may be right. Uh, but here was the thought, and here's, uh, here's the question that we've been uh, kind of working through together. Is it possible for me to talk about believing in Jesus? To, you know, to say, well, no, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I believe He's the Son of God. I, I believe He died uh, for my sins. And, and we talk a good talk. But when it comes to the most crucial moments of my life, when, when things get really, really tough, that suddenly I behave as if I don't have any belief. I, I behave exactly the same way that a person who has no faith would behave in a moment like that. And if I do, in that moment, aren't I an atheist? I mean, aren't I behaving like someone who does not believe there's God? Uh, James uh, chapter 2, James talks about this very thing. He says, hey, look, you keep telling me that you believe in God. I mean, you, well, you're really easy with the, the answers in Sunday school. You know, Jesus, I mean, you do that well. But when it comes to life, when it comes to living this thing out, you look just like the people who don't believe in God. And at that point, James says, what good is your faith if, if your faith doesn't make you behave differently? As we've been talking about this idea that, that some of us uh, in our lives talk a good talk. I mean, we, we would absolutely acknowledge that we believe in Jesus. It's just we don't walk a good walk. We, we behave more like somebody who doesn't believe that God is real would behave in the moments that we live. And we've been asking, what would it mean to, to come to this other thing, that we would heed the words of James and say, look, here's the deal. I, I've got to begin to walk the walk. I've got to begin to live in a way that looks like I really believe that God is there and that God is capable and that, and that God is real. Because if I truly believe that, then I'll behave that in my life. And some of us in the process of this conversation are going to have to make some adjustments to how we live. We're going to talk today about uh, this idea of fear. And that in fear, sometimes I live my worst moments. It's a big deal because I, I can just promise you today that many of us uh, walked in that back door and we brought with us fear. See, we're in the middle of a marriage and it, it just feels like it's, it, it's coming apart at the seams. And, and, and we're just thinking, if it keeps going like this, I mean, if something doesn't miraculously change in my marriage, I mean, it's done. And we're filled with fear. Some of us uh, have lost our jobs and in the midst of an economy, and you're going, wow, everybody keeps saying it's getting better. It's not getting better for me. And, and what little bit we had and, and, and what looked like a retirement is pretty much gone. And you can see the bottom coming up uh, really quick. And you go, you know, if, if something doesn't change, and you walked into this place full of fear. Some of us have children, and they have just absolutely headed the wrong direction. And, 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 and you think, I, I raised them right, I don't, I don't understand what this is, but they're making decisions that just look like they're going to affect the rest of their lives. And, 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 and you're living this moment in fear, and, and, and 
you're pretty sure that what your kids are doing, God can never get them. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll panic, and, and what you'll do next will be just what a parent who doesn't know God would do next. And, and here's what you and I have got to get in the moment today. That if you and I let fear win, you and I will behave as if we don't believe that God is real. If you and I give in to fear, if you and I go, look, I, there's just no hope, and there's no, then you and I will behave like a Christian atheist. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hop into a passage today when fear won, a, a passage when the disciples did exactly what they shouldn't have done, when, when they were just washed over in a moment of fear. And Jesus takes that moment to teach them some incredible lessons about living out their faith. So here we go. It's, uh, it's Luke uh, chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. If you're not real familiar with your Bibles today, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this passage, Luke chapter 8. And here's what I want to encourage you. We're actually going to look at a lot of passages together today. You're going to want your Bibles out. Uh, I'm going to encourage you, uh, get your iPhone out, but highlight these passages. There is going to be a moment in your life that you're going to want to go back and refer to the Scriptures we're going to look at today. So uh, here we go. It's Luke chapter 8. We'll start together in verse uh, 22. Here's what happens. It says, one day uh, Jesus said to His disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out, and as they sailed, uh, He fell asleep, talking about Jesus. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. And then listen to what Jesus says. Where was your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this guy? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, look, here, here's what you got to get in the moment. Uh, this isn't just a bunch of guys being uh, sissies. The reality is uh, almost half of Jesus' disciples were actually fishermen. They made, they made their living on boats. As a matter of fact, the lake that they're on is their lake. Uh, this, they've, they've been on this lake nearly every single day all their lives. And they have never seen a storm like this. I mean, it, as this storm comes, they're going, okay, this is, this is crazy bad. Because we've been in storms that weren't near this big. The waves weren't half as high, and we almost died in that storm. Uh, we've got friends uh, who've been in storms smaller than this, and they never came back. And you just need to know that what they are fearful of is real. Matter of fact, Scripture even says, and they were in great danger. And so they run to Jesus. He's sleeping. He's sleeping. And, and they say to him, dude, are, are, are you just like clueless? What's going on with you? How can you be sleeping? You, know, you get it. We're, we're about to drown. And, and, and your behavior in this moment is just absurd. How can you sleep when this is going on? How is that possible? And they said, you, just, you need to take a proper assessment of the moment. You need to figure out what really is happening here. You're just delusional in this moment, Jesus. 
And Jesus would say to them, no, I'm simply behaving like someone who believes in God. Now, guys, that, I mean, I'm just going to that that is, that is crazy life-changing information. Because the truth be told, most of us in this room would be running around the deck with the disciples. Here's what Jesus is about to teach. Matter of fact, go back to the passage. Go back to verse 25. Here's the question Jesus asks. And this is the question that changes everything in the conversation. So verse 25 Jesus simply says this, hey, uh, where, where is your faith? And I think we take this question wrong. I think, I think what, what very often we do at this passage, we say, look, Jesus is rebuking them for not having enough faith. He's saying, you know, you had tiny little faith. Where was your big faith? I don't think that's what Jesus is doing at all. I think he is actually asking them the physical location of their faith. He's saying to them, in this moment when you are filled with terror, when fear is reigning in your heart, where are you placing your faith? What are you trusting in in this moment? Better than that, who? Who are you trusting in in this moment? See, here, here's the reality of our lives. Is that most of the time when you and I run into crisis and problem, there's our answer. See, I'm going to figure this out. I'm, I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to work it through. I'll get it to the other side. But suddenly the disciples find themselves in a moment when what they are facing is bigger than anything they've ever faced before. See, the, the problem is something they have absolutely no idea how to navigate to the other end. This, this, is, this is the doctor coming to you and saying, I've got a bad report. And you don't have to ask anything more because you can see it in his eyes. This is, this is getting to the end of the month and you have stretched your pocketbook as far as it physically goes and there are still impending bills. There are foreclosure notices. And Jesus would just simply say in that, in that moment, in that moment when the problem is bigger than anything you've ever done before, in that moment, in that moment when, when there's absolutely no way that you can have it, where is your faith? And for the disciples, the answer was, it's us. We're fishermen. I mean, this is what we do, and, and we, we sail through storms, but we've never seen a storm like that. We've never done this before. Our, our faith is in us, and it's obvious we're in trouble. When you and I place our faith in us, when you and I place our faith in me, tell me how you and I are any different than an atheist. Because in that moment, think about it, what does an atheist do when an atheist goes, look, I, whatever problem I'm facing, whatever struggle I've got, apparently it's up to me. Apparently, I better figure a solution, I better hire a consultant, I better do something because there's surely no higher power. There's no God who's going to bail me out of this, so this is up to me. And when you finally realize it's bigger than you and stronger than you and harder than anything you've done before, you panic. And in the moments you and I, who claim to be Christ's followers, sit there and say, well, it's up to me. then fear will win, 
and you'll begin to behave more like a person who doesn't believe there is a God. You'll act more like an atheist in that moment than a person of real faith. It's why Jesus says, what are you trusting right now? Because the truth is, if you're trusting you, then you deserve to panic. I mean, just go ahead, freak out, because every person in the world who doesn't believe in God deserves to freak out when the problems are bigger than them. So, where is your faith? What do the disciples miss in the moment? What is, what is it that they just absolutely don't get that Jesus is trying to help them understand? Go back with me to the passage. Verse 22 again, right at the very beginning. Hey, one day uh, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Uh, you get the moment. Jesus says, hey, come on, let's, let's take a trip. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. And, and guys, you ready for this? Jesus is in the boat with them. Think about this for a second. God, you ready for this? God is in the boat. You're freaking out, and God is in the boat with you. I mean, don't you just want to strangle these guys? Go, look, you are idiots. I mean, how easy is this one? I, there's a little storm going, but God is in the boat with you. I think you're okay. I mean, I mean, you, you just want to say to these guys, look, look, this is different for us because, I mean, I, I mean, God is like in heaven or something, right? And He's like taking a nap whenever we have problems. But God's in the boat with you. I mean, I mean, I mean, guys, wait, wait, wait. You actually get to see Him. I mean, He's there. You can touch Him. I mean, we have to pray and we don't even know if it's going past the ceiling. But guys, God's in the boat with you. Why are you freaking out? Grab your Bibles. Go with me over to Deuteronomy. And if you're not real familiar, uh, it's going to be in the front of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Children of Israel are camped on the other side of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go into the promised land, and uh, there's giants in the promised land. Uh, there are armies in the promised land twice as high, big as them, and, and they're filled with fear. And here's what God says in this moment. You ready? Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never. What's that word? never leave you or forsake you. And that promise is just as true for you and me. Which means, which means, are you ready for this? He's in the boat with you. You have never faced a moment. You have never had a problem. There has never been an instant in your life that God was not in the boat with you. That means when you go to school, and I don't care what hassle you're having at school, he's in the boat with you. Then in the middle of your marriage, and I know it feels like it's fraying, and I know it feels like it would take only a miracle to save it. Here's the deal. He's in the boat with you. You are not 
alone. God is in your boat. You're sitting there and, and, and you just begin to believe, I, I will never get a job. God is in the boat. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that God being there with you makes all the difference. Years ago, Lisa and I were still living in uh, Southern California, and uh, we lived up in what they call the Inland Empire, so it means we were kind of up in the foothills away from L.A., but her job was down in L.A., so every single day, Lisa is doing this horrible, almost two-hour commute through California traffic to get to her job uh, down in L.A., and uh, one day, she breaks down on the freeway, and if you've ever been to California, you know that there's call boxes all up and down um, uh, the highways, the freeways there, but unfortunately, where she broke down, the call box was a huge walk, and uh, so she's on the side of the road. She's trying to figure out what to do. She finally decides, okay, I'm going to go walk to the call box, I guess, and call AAA. Uh, she gets out of her car, and about that time, a car pulls up behind, and it's a gentleman. He says, hey, uh, do you need any help? She says, no, I, I, uh, I don't need any help. I'm just going to go to the call box. I'll call AAA. I'll be okay. Uh, he says, well, hey, uh, after you call AAA, let's uh, go somewhere and get a couple drinks together. Uh, Lisa says, no, I think, I, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just going to go call Chevrolet. He says, no, 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 no. Hey, we, you know, we could make a, a thing of it. I mean, this could be really good. And, um, and Lisa's going, no, no. And I, I won't even tell you what this man began to proposition and say to my wife. And I mean, she's freaked out. She's going, okay, of all the loons in Southern California, I have found the loon of loons. And uh, he is just like weird. And uh, finally, uh, finally she had put him off enough, and he leaves. And so Lisa's sitting in the car. She's waiting for AAA to come, and uh, she begins to think to herself, what if he circles back? Uh, what if this time he tries to force what before he was propositioning? And she began to sit in that moment in absolute fear. A few minutes later, she looks in the rearview mirror, and the AAA guy pulls up. Just him being there made a difference. Hey, guys, tell me. Tell me that if the AAA guy showing up for Lisa calms her heart, that God showing up for you God being in the boat with you calms your heart. You have never, never lived a moment that you were alone. He's in the boat with you. So why are we running the decks with the disciples in panic? There's a second thing the disciples just absolutely miss in the moment. Go down to verse 25. Luke chapter 8, verse 25, Jesus says, hey, where's your, where's your faith? And he asked his disciples, in fear and amazement, they said to one another, who is this? Uh, he commands even the winds and the water, and, uh, and, and they obey him. Well, you know the answer. Who is this? This is God. You're in the boat with God. That's who it is. I mean, it's 
God, I mean, I don't know if at this point they just haven't figured it out. I don't know if in this moment they forget for the moment, but I can tell you who this is. It's God. And here's the thing you need to know. He is bigger than the waves. He's bigger than any problem those guys were facing in that moment. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles one more time. Go with me over to the book of Jeremiah. It's going to be to your left. I told you we were going to look at a lot of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Verse 17. Here's what it says about God. You ready? Ah, sovereign Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And you ready? Nothing, nothing is too hard for you. Here, here's what Jeremiah is saying. He says, look, look, look. You're God. And, and here's what you, know. you created the entire universe. Do you realize that you and I revolve on a puny little planet around a subpar star that we call the sun? in the midst of a relatively insignificant galaxy that is nothing more than a wart on the back of the universe. And God, you ready for this? God spoke the universe into place. He didn't work on the universe. He didn't break a sweat on the universe. He just said, be. And it was. Which means, you ready for this? There is no piddly puddle of water anywhere that is bigger than God. And the disciples forget. And you and I forget. And suddenly we're running the decks of the ship, acting like God is not real. And guys, I'm just here to tell you, there is nothing that you have ever faced, there is nothing you will ever face that is bigger than God. Matter of fact, every person who calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ has an ace up their sleeve. You and I have the ace of spades. That no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard it seems, your God wins. And so Jesus says, where is your faith? Let me ask you a question. Is it possible? Just think about this for a second. Is it possible that Jesus wanted them to experience the storm? Is it possible that Jesus steered them right into this moment? That this is exactly what he wanted them to go through. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again. Go back uh, to verse 22. Here's what it says. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, I got this really great idea. Let's go for a boat ride. You know, we can have a picnic. You get, you get, wait, wait, wait. You get that this was Jesus' idea from the beginning. And here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. If he's God, does he know a storm is coming? And he puts them right in the middle of it. Hey, guys, I got a great idea. Is it possible, guys, is it possible that Jesus steered them right in the middle of the storm so that, you ready? So that they could experience something about Him 
so they could come to understand and believe so emphatically in their lives that He is real? Is it possible they're learning something on the lake that they could have never learned on the shore? Here's what I'm thinking. Next time the disciples are out on the lake and a storm comes up, you know what I think the reaction is? <laughs> are you kidding me? I've seen bigger waves than this. I mean, this is nothing. Boy, let me tell you about this time. Jesus and us went for a picnic. Is it possible that Jesus took them to the storm so that they would know who he was and that he was real? That they would learn a lesson they couldn't learn without the storm. Some of you guys know Lisa and I adopted uh, Sylvia, our daughter, uh, out of the orphanage there in Haruma, and she came and lived with us for a little while before she got married. And uh, when she came, uh, I knew I only had a limited time uh, to be her father and kind of help her with stuff. And uh, one of the things I committed myself to was elevators, because uh, Sylvia in her entire life, uh, growing up in an orphanage, she had never ridden an elevator. So she gets here and gets on an elevator, and it is like the terrifying death box of Satan, the elevator. And so we'd get on elevators and she'd go over in the corner and <laughs> all the way to the second floor. And it was just terrifying. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to help her with this. So I took her to Disneyland. While we are at Disneyland, I made a bet. Okay, sound familiar? You're going to learn not to bet with Pastor Lynn. So I, I gave her a bet, and I won. And losing the bet meant she had to go on the Tower of Terror. We get off the Tower of Terror, she's going, I hate you. You know, the interesting thing is, we got back home, she just walked right on elevators. Is it possible God took those disciples to the lake so the next time they saw waves, they'd remember he was God? And, and not behave like someone who didn't know that God was real and that God could calm storms and God could... Instead, they behaved like someone who really was a Christ follower and believed this stuff. You, you and I have had the privilege of uh, watching Aaron and Holly McRae, and some of you don't know, but they served here at our church for a while, and in the midst of serving here, uh, their little daughter, uh, Kate, got brain cancer. And I will tell you that medical professionals came to me after they heard her diagnosis, heard what type of cancer it was, and they simply whispered in my ear, and here's what they said, Lynn, the survivability rate of this cancer is zero. We, we've looked in the journals. We can't find a documented time when anyone has survived. This is just a matter of time. And you and I watched, guys. I mean, you and I watched a young couple go into the storm. And in that moment, I, I don't know about you, but I was amazed because they behaved more like a person who thought God was real than they did someone who thought God was absent or out of control. And guys, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you that, that 
they're sitting on two years of clean report, two years of the cancer being an absolute arrest. And guys, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. If, if you're Aaron and Holly McRae, the next time your car breaks down, do you panic? Or do you go, no, 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 no. I've been with God in bigger storms than this. And I know he's real. See, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, next time they have a job transfer, do they freak out? Which simply means for you and me, is it possible that the storm you're in right now, is it possible that the very thing that has got you trembling in your boots and filled with fear was God's invitation to figure out that he was real? That if you ever again saw the waves, you'd go, no, no, no. This, this is nothing. I, I know exactly how to behave because I've been through bigger storms than this with my God. Here's what I do know. If you wait for this to feel good, if you wait for your heart to stop pounding, if you wait for there to be a moment that goes, oh, yeah, it's easy, you'll never do this. Because, guys, the, the most important thing is what you do when your mouth goes dry. The most important thing to do is when your eyes get big and you go, I, this is crazy, crazy, crazy bigger than me. And, I, and in this moment, I've got to decide to either give in to my fear or I've got to decide to trust my God. I, I'm either going to behave in this moment like someone who doesn't think that God is there or that God is big enough or that God is with me or I am going to decide in the middle of my fear that he is able. Joshua's five years old, and uh, he's playing out in the front yard with some of his friends with a Frisbee, and what happens is what happens, and Frisbee ends up on the roof, and so they come inside, and they say, hey, Dad, you know, we need to get our Frisbee off the roof, and so I take Josh outside, I huck him up onto the roof, and uh, he throws the frisbee down, and now he comes back to the edge of the roof, and he realizes no ladder. And so I say to Josh, hey, uh, it's okay, uh, just, just jump. Just jump, I'll catch you. I watched my five-year-old son's eyes fill with fear. Um, he had to decide some things. He had to decide, hey, is my dad capable of catching me? <clears throat> Second thing he had to decide is, would dad play a sick joke on me? <laughs> and you got to remember, by the time he's five, I have probably tricked, well, anyways. Uh, so it's a legitimate question, you know. I mean, Josh is going, you know, I, I could like leap off and dad could go, woo, walk away, splat on the ground. So I'm going, no, 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 Josh, 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 Josh. I, I no, no, no. I, I would never do anything to knowingly, willingly hurt you. Josh, come on, jump. You can trust me. Jump, jump in, jump, jump in my arms. And, and I watched his little five-year-old person filled with fear. And then came the moment. Then came the moment when he steeled his five-year-old heart. You, you just watched it sweep over him where he made a decision. I'm going to trust. I'm going to jump. And he gritted his teeth, and he leaped off the roof, and I caught him, 
and I placed him on the ground, and he looked up at me. He said, that was just like God. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. No. He didn't. He went back to playing. It made a good story, though. Hey, guys, 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 guys. If you're going to do this, you'll steal your heart. If you're going to do this, you're, you're going to be a moment, and God's going to be sitting there going, look, look, I, I promise you, I'm with you. I'm promising you I'm bigger than what you're terrified of. Jump. And, and your heart will be pounding, and everything in you will be saying, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. You'll be longing, you ready? You'll be longing in that moment to behave like someone who doesn't believe in God. And you'll have to steal your heart. You'll have to say, no, 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 no. I trust my heavenly Father. There's some of us in this room, and you're on the roof. You're in this moment right now. And every part of you says, give in to fear, give in to fear, give in to fear. And if you do, you'll behave. If you'll behave like someone who doesn't believe in God. And please, please, please tell me that if you actually steeled your heart and jumped, that you'd, you don't think God would play a horrible joke on you and let you fall. And some of us, by faith, need to simply say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to behave like I believe this stuff. There's some of you in this room right now, and you're going, this is a really cool sermon for other people because uh, I'm not going through hard times right now, and, and I'm not dealing with fear. Good luck with that because here's what I just, I promise Someday Jesus is going to invite you to a picnic on the lake. And he's going to say to you, I want you to come with me and figure out that I'm God. And in that moment, you'll have to steal your heart and say, do I really, really, really believe this stuff? Or am I going to behave like a person who doesn't believe in God behaves? Am I going to be a Christian atheist? Let's bow our heads. I, I just want to encourage everybody in this room who says, man, I, Lynn, I am, I, this was so much for me, man. I am living in the midst of fear in my life right now. What if right now in prayer you simply went to God and said, okay, I'm, I'm jumping off the roof. I, I'm going to steal my heart. I'm going to decide that I believe you're real and that you're with me and that you're bigger than my problem. So get your arms ready, God, because here I come. I'm going to behave like I really believe in you. There are some of us in this room, and you're not in the midst of that, but I'm just going to tell you the most powerful thing you could do is decide how you're going to behave when the storm comes before the storm gets there. So that in the midst of the waves, you're not making decisions. You're living decisions. And, and how powerful would it be this morning for you to just in prayer say, God, look, right now things are good, but here's what I'm telling you. If you invite me to the lake, if, if the storm comes, here's my promise. I will live that moment not, not taken prisoner by my fear. I will live that moment as if I believe you're real.
That's my promise. That's my promise. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you in the moment. And we're amazed. We're amazed at the faith that allows you to sleep in a boat when all others are panicked. And it's because you knew. You knew what we didn't know, and that is that you are always with us and that you are always bigger than the problem. That there was nothing happening in that moment that you weren't fully in control of and capable of resolving. God, help us. Help us to live the most fearful moment of our lives as if we believed you were real. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.